Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good evening. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We're here to reflect and uh, remember what took place on the Friday of Passover week in AD 29. Now, history calls it Good Friday, but it was a day filled with pain and suffering. No one has ever endured the, the pain and suffering that Jesus Christ did on that day. He could have called 10,000 angels to come and, and set him free. But he embraced the cross and he paid the price for your sin and my sin on the cross. Over the next few minutes, we're going to go through the story. And we're going to remember what took place that day. You see, the passion of the cross began in the garden when he was betrayed by Judas. And then he was taken to Caiaphas's house and he was interrogated. And then he was taken uh, to the governor's mansion where Pilate heard the charges against him. He was carried before Herod and then he went back to Pilate. And tonight we pick up the story in the Gospel of John. When he said, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they clothed him in a purple robe. And they went up to him again saying, hail, king of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis of a charge against him. Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns in the purple robe. Pilate said to him, here's the man. And as soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they all shouted, crucify him, crucify him. But Pilate said, you take him and crucify him. As for me, huh, I find no basis of fault on him. When we look at this story and we see how they treated him, just the very fact they flogged him. Flogging was a method of punishment designed to take the person to the very point of death, but not let him die. To do this, they would take an instrument, a tool called the cat of nine tails. Now, this tool had nine um, strips of leather on it. And on each end of that leather, they would have four pieces of bone or metal or rock. So when one uh, person would receive that cat of nine tails, it would be like 36 abrasions against his body. It was designed to rip the skin. Now the Jewish law said that a person could not be beaten more than 40 times. So they would traditionally do 39 lashes so as not to break the law. But this is under Pilate's law and he was under the Roman law, which had no limits. This is such a severe form of punishment that many people died just from the flogging. 
Now the soldiers flogged Jesus and then they took him and they put a crown of thorns on him. They put this robe on him. And if you can imagine this robe now, this cloth on this body, this back that had been uh, where his skin had been ripped. And then they pushed him out to the crowd and the crowd is going crazy, screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate was perplexed. He really didn't know what to do because he had done what he had planned to do and that is to flog him. But now, in this moment of decision, he could have let him go free. He could have taken a stand for truth, but instead he gave in to the shouts of the crowd. And verse 16, finally Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And when we think about this, he's carrying his own cross. You've got to understand how that worked. They would typically take a, a, a large uh, piece of wood. They called it the patibulum. It weighed about 120 pounds and they would tie it to the back and then they would make the criminal uh, carry uh, this cross out to the place of the skull where they would actually do the crucifixion. And so they put this patibulum, uh, this crossbar on Jesus' shoulders and he started to walk. But he had been up all night without any food or water and he had been beaten now. And so as he's taken steps, he would fall. He's going down the Via Della Rosa, which is the place of suffering. And as he's going down and falling to the ground, the soldiers frustrated with this, they grabbed a man out of the crowd, the man named Simon. He said, as they led him away, they seized Simon from Serene, who was on his way in from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Khalil Gibran, over a hundred years ago, took this story of Simon and he illustrated it with these words. Simon said, I was just in the crowd when I saw this man, this criminal that I didn't know come. And they had the cross on him and he fell to the ground. And then this soldier grabbed me and said, here, carry his cross. And Simon reached up to carry the cross. And then Jesus reached up and put his hand on Simon's shoulder. And Gibran says, Simon said, I never felt the weight of the cross for feeling the touch of his hand. They carried, Simon carried him up to the place of the skull, Golgotha. And there they set him up on the vertical part of the cross. They nailed his feet and they nailed his hands to the cross. And there Jesus suffered and there Jesus died. All this time, Jesus did not say anything, but when he was placed on the cross, he spoke. 
In fact, he said seven statements. First of all, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Isn't it interesting that this man who is innocent of any charges or any wrongdoing, he is the victim here. But yet he is the one that is looking and the very first thing that he says is, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus is modeling what he wants us to live like. He wants us to be people of forgiveness. People willing to forgive. And as we go through this service, maybe the Lord will be bringing images of people that you need to start a conversation with and that you need to be the first one to offer forgiveness. God often uses times like this times of reflection, times of prayer, times of study to bring us to a place where we're willing to take a step toward him. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Here's the second thing. The second statement happened as the conversation between the two thieves on each side of Jesus started to develop. And one of the thieves looked at him and said, would you remember me when you get into your kingdom? And Jesus answered him and said, I'll tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It's interesting that that thief called him by the name Jesus. Because most of the people in the crowd that day would have called him rabbi or would have called him master or Lord. But, but the thief wasn't being disrespectful but you see, the thief had entered into the suffering along with Jesus. There are times in all of our lives that we will enter into the suffering of Jesus. I hear the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. All of us will go through seasons of our lives in which we will suffer greatly. Some of you may be in that season right now. There may be something going on in your body, something, the pain that you're, uh, chronic pain that you're constantly dealing with. Maybe you're going through chemotherapy or maybe you're going through some other type of painful treatment. Others of you, you have loved ones that are suffering. And it may be with the virus that we hear so much about, or it may be with some other type of illness. I believe that when we are at our lowest point, we're in that valley of suffering that we are not there alone. I believe that Jesus is there with us. Here's the third statement. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved nearby, he said this to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. 
When Jesus used the word woman in their culture, this was a word of deepest respect. Since Jesus was the oldest son of Mary, it was his responsibility to take care of his mother. That was Jewish custom. And so that's why he looked over at John and he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, John, this disciple took care of Mary. Jesus' fourth statement on the cross that day was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At this point, Jesus was bearing all of the sins of the world. All of the sins that had taken place in the past and sins that would be taking place in the future. Your sin, my sin, your mistakes, my mistakes. He felt that. He was bearing that in that moment. When he bared, uh, uh, took on the sin of the world, God looked away because God can't look on sin. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was the darkest hour of humanity. And from this, I realized that in my darkest moments and in your darkest moments, Jesus is there. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you've said. I don't know what kind of actions you've done in your past. I know this, all of us have sinned. All of us have made mistakes. And in your darkest hour, Jesus is willing to go into the darkest places of your life to pull you out of that valley, to pull you out of that sin, to pull you out of... of, of those mistakes and that lifestyle that you may be in. The fifth statement he said is, I am thirsty. I think we see this very practically. He'd gone a, a night without sleep and a night without water or food, and he's physically thirsty. But I think also he is fulfilling the scriptures. He is thirsty for redemption. He talked about thirst a lot. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness, though they shall be filled. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Jesus said, the plan of salvation is complete. You see, Jesus went to the cross so that you and I could be saved. And the very last thing that he said while on the cross, he called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last breath. He said, Father, I commit my spirit. Why is this important? It's important to know that Satan did not kill Jesus. But Jesus willfully gave his life on the cross. 
he willfully suffered and died because he knew that your sins and my sins had to be atoned for, had to be paid for. That's the story of Good Friday. And tonight we're here to remember that story and we're here to reflect. Because this is a reverent time. This is a special time. And it's so appropriate that we mark this moment by receiving communion. We do this often at Stevens Creek Church. It is when we take the bread and we take the cup and we reenact the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. Paul said this is such a special part of the service that we should never move into this part of the service with a casual attitude or a flippant attitude, but we should always move in with respect and honor. In fact, Paul said, if there's anything that keeps you uh, at a distance from the Lord, I want you to deal with that first before you receive communion. And so I want to have a word of prayer with you, first of all, that, that we can make things right with the Lord, and then we'll receive communion as a church. Let's pray together. Father, we bow our heads today as a sign of surrender to you. And Jesus, I ask that you would come and allow your forgiveness to flow God, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for the mistakes that I've made. And maybe that's you would like to join me. Just, just pray that simple prayer, Jesus, forgive me. I am sorry that I broke your heart. I am sorry that I stepped out of bounds. I am sorry that I said those things that hurt God, forgive me. God, forgive our church. Forgive our people for any of the sins or mistakes that we've made that oftentimes we've been so full of ourselves that we've edged you out of our lives. Tonight, we're asking you to have mercy upon us. We're asking you to extend your forgiveness. Jesus, make us into the kind of people you'd have us to be. Today, Lord, we receive your forgiveness. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Over the last several days, we've sent out announcements where we wanted you to participate with us in this holy communion. And so I want to encourage you to go get the bread if you have not already. And when you hold this bread in your hands, I want you to understand that this bread is a symbol This bread is a symbol of the body of Christ.
And so we take that this bread represents the body. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna take it and we're gonna dip it in the cup. This cup represents the blood of Jesus that washes all of the stains of our sins away. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up the bread and we ask that you would bless it today and bless this cup as we partake in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, receive communion tonight. Savior said Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness watch and find in me thine all in Cause Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe my sin I'd left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow 
thankful for what you did for us on the cross and tonight we remember that but just in a few days God we're going to be able to celebrate your resurrection and so God it's my prayer that you will just be with us over the next few days as we get ready to celebrate what you have done for us so we thank you and we praise you it's in Jesus name we pray amen thanks for being with us Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.